Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. One of the most, uh, the biggest priority and, and the, the biggest objective of this show from the very beginning when, when things were incepted back in 2017 was this idea of demystifying the whole process of running a record label. Everything from how do you make records? How do you get on Spotify playlists? How do you get your music into local record stores? All of these mysteries, I hope that we can work through together as a community of other record labels that we can learn so that there really isn't anything um, that is held back by gatekeepers in the industry. And so that's why we do, uh, that's why we interview great record labels of all sizes, but we also interview um, companies in our series, Industry Insiders, like today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Into the Abyss Record Store, which is my record store here in town. And we're talking about the subjects of indie record stores. And I think it's really important, and I absolutely adored this interview. I had so much fun because uh, Brad's a buddy. That was great. But I also have so many mysterious questions that I wanted answered. The biggest one that I needed to know was, do clerks behind the counter make fun of, secretly make fun and judge us for the purchases that we make? And there's a lot of other mysteries out there that we tackle in today's interview. And I hope that you find it really helpful when it comes to how can we as independent record labels support our record store? How can we partner with them? How can we get our releases into their their stores if we don't have a physical distribution deal? So we tackle a lot of these questions. We talk about the music industry over the past couple of years, and we talk about brick and mortar retail. I think it's going to be an extremely helpful interview for you, and I'm so excited for you to listen to it. All of our resources, by the way, if you're new to the show, for DIY artists, uh, but specifically for independent record labels, can be found at otherrecordlabels.com. We have some online courses, which are extremely popular. We have a lot of free resources and templates that you can download. Just go to otherrecordlabels.com. Here's a question, and I want you to like uh, answer this honestly, but... And this is the question that our listeners and everyone in the music community is dying to know. And it's honestly a question I'm dying to know. Do you do record store employees secretly judge the music purchases and the music tastes of their customers? <laughs> uh, I think a lot of them do. Okay. <laughs> a lot, the overwhelming but majority. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a time in my life maybe where I did a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, but I think that was you know, just me more younger headstrong thinking i knew everything <laughs> and not un and not understanding how wide the spectrum is and how sure yeah and how different people's tastes are you know you you know yeah i think like if you have a, a little bit more tunnel vision which i think i did when i was younger <laughs> yeah. and yeah there would be a bit of judgment but honestly for i'd say for for me and uh, daniel who works with me that's not it's, uh, I think it's like a point of pride for us that we're allowing this place to be like a safe, use it in a different way, but it's a, I've always a got that vibe for taste. I've always got that vibe of just, you know, um, and not, not like, uh, felt the vibe. Like I've actually, you've said things that like, I feel like you're giving me permission to buy something. I, you know, you know, you know, I'm like, I'm putting this on the counter. I, I think too, the weird thing is like the eccentric combinations of genres too. When people mm -hmm. put on, you know, 
Marvin Gaye and the Little Mermaid or something on the counter at the same time. I, I think that's probably where people feel self-conscious. Yeah, I think they, yeah, I think they could. And yeah, I think like it might be, I think honestly for people who are buying, I think there's a case of it too also being a little bit in their heads. That they're that's a right. little bit more. That's self, what I'm saying. Yeah. Why do you think people are self-conscious? I mean, what? I would be more comfortable buying a sex toy than I am buying records. <laughs> Seriously, I have no problem picking out condoms from the, yeah. sh- the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's, you know, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it, there's a thing with, well, all of us are afraid of judgment yeah. to a certain extent, right? Like, well, some of us get better at handling that. Right. But I think it's yeah. like, that's something that comes from, you know, being a kid. Yeah. So like from that's your right. first kind of social exper- ex- you know, experience and and yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh as humans we live in our own head a lot. So, <laughs> you know, like, it's true. Yeah. It it is, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's funny when you say that now, I'm realizing like I've never had like I've never had an eye roll at the counter. I've never had somebody actually say something. Maybe in in high school, somebody would have made fun of me for something else to do. Mm -hmm. But like, I've never experienced judgment from a clerk. Mm -hmm. It's it's always just been in my head. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, and I think like, I think if I have ever engaged in any type level of, you know, talking about artists or bands that we didn't like or stuff it would never really be in relation to people's purchases. It would always be like, you know, when I worked at a previous shop, we would more just like talk amongst ourselves about bands we didn't like, not because somebody just bought it. It would just like, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it would just usually just come up organically. Yeah. You know, and, and even though we would, you know, we would talk ill about certain bands or stuff. It would mostly just be us trying to make each other laugh. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because it's, you have to find ways to entertain yourself. uh, (laughs) Long long days at a record shop. Before you opened your own shop, which is, was 2018, is that right? Or 2017? Uh, 2017? Yeah, okay, that could work. That would be um, four years. Oh well, this is my—I think this is my fourth year anniversary, though. Okay, coming up. This so it fall. Would be, yeah. So it would be eighteen. Or would no, be we're twenty-one. So okay, so twenty seventeen. Oh yeah, so Doesn't yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah. You you worked in another bigger store downtown, right? So you, how yep. how long have you been working at a record store in some capacity? Uh well, when I first started, I'm forty-two now, and when I first started working at my first record shop, I was 18. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I, it wasn't a full through way um, because I spent time myself as a, like, attempting to be a professional musician. So, <laughs> so I didn't work for the better part of maybe four, five to six years mm. in there. But yeah, the rest of it, I was there. So, that's... so was there a, a point not at this shop or the other shop in the past ten or fifteen years when things looked especially bleak for brick and mortar uh, record stores? Do, do you remember a, a certain time or a certain kind of set of years where you thought maybe it was the beginning of the end? Um, no, not really, because that you know that record shop that I worked at at that time. 
seemed to be able to pivot towards things that were working for them. Okay. So yeah, they didn't. They weren't set enough in their ways that they were willing right. to just stick. You know, with that one. You mean model. like non non music things? Yeah, you know, like like there was a. It seemed like there was years in there where it was uh, DVDs and video games that sustained That's right, that yeah. shop and toys. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah it was yeah. that. It's like pivoted away. Wow. Yeah. So like yeah. So so was there some sort of. Um, was there a turning point for vinyl like taking back off again, you know, like around 2000 and late 2000s or like 2009, 2010? Like, was there something that you could put your finger on and say, uh, there's something happening here? No, well, not really for me, oddly enough, because I, I think like I was. I was still playing music professionally. So it was one of those things where I came back because I would go back to work at the record store sometimes at Christmases sure. if I was home. Oh, okay. So I remember coming back to work to be Christmas help. Yeah, yeah. And then showing up and being like, whoa, like there's a lot of like LPs at the front. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is crazy. Yeah. Like <laughs> I didn't expect to see this amount. Yeah. And then it was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, like we're you know, getting, you know, this seems to be doing well and there's a demand for it again. And I don't know, I, like, I feel like that was maybe like even, I thought that was like maybe 2008. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think about then when it yeah. was like, where it was like, oh, okay. Like there's a focus on, in here again yeah. on records. And like new cool. vinyl too. Yeah. That's yeah. what. Which that was all. Yeah. That which was, was the surprising part. Specifically new vinyl. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then just, yeah, taking a look through it and. Uh, yeah, realizing that it was starting to pick back up again. And then, yeah, like through those, the following years to see the the new vinyl section slowly eat the new CD section. That's right. I it saw that at various Bin by stores. bin, you know, yeah. and it's just like slowly eating it. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, you almost would notice it. And then it would be like a mo another month would pass and the record section would be growing. It's like, we just have to shrink down, Yeah, you know, and then yeah. we would have to get creative and... I remember the new vinyl section. Um, I think actually it was 2008 that I went to, I visited Newberry in um, Boston, that oh, record yeah. store. Mm -hmm. And I remember that they would basically just say where the new vinyl was, which as we now know is just new releases now, but mm -hmm. it was it was just called new vinyl and it was like a distinct section. It wasn't necessarily a genre or by artist. It was just the fact that, they were new releases mm -hmm. released on vinyl as opposed to CD or as opposed to, uh, you know, a used record. Mm -hmm. It was very cool. What's the ratio? Let's go fast forward to today in your shop. What's the ratio split on records sold that are new indie music versus Abbey Road or Pet Sounds? And, and I'm talking about new records here for the most part. Because mm -hmm. um, I know that, and I heard this recently, that Spotify is 60 to 80% of their streams is is back catalog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would put it. Yeah, I probably would put back catalog and reissue stuff closer to maybe. I'd say it would make up maybe 70, 75 percent. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I would say so. That's really interesting, and that's and even yeah. you know that's because that's even counting. I count things like like. Uh, you know, records that are older than five years old, I would count those okay. amongst there. Yeah, so it yeah, would still be think that's artists true, yeah. that are current, but yeah. uh, earlier records. So Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, I guess there is classic indie rock records from the 2000s that yeah. would be considered back catalog. Yeah, from the 2010s too, right? Like if you think right. of, I can't remember, you know, the age of, but, but like Bon Iver's 4 Emma, like a record like that. Sure. It's kind of, how old's that record now? Like 15 years, 12, 15 years? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, I think it, they did a reissue of it. So it's a, yeah. at least 10. Yeah, yeah and like but, yeah. the Postal Service and things like that. Oh, like that's Those right. records are yeah. kind of older records now. The first Fleet Foxes. That's like, right. You know, like yeah. even the first Father John Misty, those are kind of, it's kind of an older record now. Wow. Fear Fun is yeah. like 10 years old. And they're probably on their 10 or 20th pressing. And, oh yeah, I'm sure yeah. of it, yeah. And so what is, uh, I mean, I'm just asked, this is not of any uh, importance to the our audience, but like what is the, is there perennial bestsellers that come to mind? Well, that like, that actually did, come, those come to mind. Those like, ones, yeah. Um. Uh, and yeah, that's the, just people they they get a record player and then those are the records they get. Yeah, like that Bon Iver record is a good example of yeah. like it's you know it's so widely uh, you know loved and respected that it's just like yeah it seems to be a starting place for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, and something that everybody feels like they have to have in their collection. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. That yeah, I'd say that's one of the biggest ones for me. Um, uh yeah like i also think like those of course those last two phoebe bridgers records right are really big for the shop right. and then some classic things like in rainbows is always going to be such a yeah. good one for yeah. us and yeah um uh even like stone roses their first record mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh Oasis is Morning Glory. There's always a few. There's like classics that a young person would go in and say, I need to have this classic record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Yeah, it seems like, yeah, there's some. And it's interesting how it can kind of span across time. You know, the same people that would buy Bon Iver would also maybe buy uh, Bowie Ziggy Stardust. Or, right. You know, like, right. so. And yeah, those are, you know, amongst some of the, you know, I tried when the shop opened, I tried to fill the walls with every record that I thought met that criteria. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, like Nevermind and the Velvet Underground and Nico record, yeah. you know, there's certain ones that are Well, I actually, I, you know, I was just, as you were talking, I realized like just a couple of weeks ago, I was in your shop and I picked up what's going on. And I, and I was being kind of condescending saying that a young person would buy a record player and then want to get the classics. But there are things that it dawns on me. I don't own this record. I should own this record. Mm -hmm. And it's for someone who's older and has been collecting records. So there's probably moments like that where it's, I've been sleeping on a record for 40 years. I need to go pick it up. Yeah. And I think like, especially one thing people take for granted, especially with records, like what's going on is um, like, aside from modern reissues, they're pretty hard to find in the wild. If you're looking for an older looking, copy yeah. of what's going yeah. on, like, Surprising, you know, maybe I see once a year, and they're always killed because people liked it so That's much. Right. So it was always at, yeah. it was always played at parties. Yeah. It was so, so yeah, like that's you know, it's some people. It's like their first opportunity to buy what's going on has been in the last five years, five to that's ten right. years. Yeah, never had an option before that. It is very interesting when a record is just so good that it's not used, and and we I remember this. You probably remember this too from like the used CD days, where you would you would you would be able to tell which CDs sold two hundred million copies because oh, yeah. it would be the one that was all over in in the the bins, like the uh, the one from my 
era would be the Rememberance EP. You remember the the scene oh, yeah. that the Friends theme song oh, yeah. was on? It's so, oh, so like it. a billion. <laughs> I've seen it many times, <laughs> filing right. these CDs many times. <laughs> Back when they would put one yeah. good song on the record yeah. and then nothing else. I can name a handful of those actually just off the top of my Go. head. Chumbawamba. Yeah. Um, uh, Aerosmith's Get a Grip. Um, Joan Osborne relish. Oh yeah, relish. Yeah, saw that a lot. Uh, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish cracked rear yes. view amongst the biggest collective soul. Those first two collective soul. The blue CDs. one and the and the red one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah they were just like yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't escape. Yeah. You couldn't escape it. Absolutely. It's like I actually yeah. think you remember that um, that used place up on the up on the mountain. Um, they would they would sell like used car stereos and used CDs and stuff. But I remember, and actually I don't even know if it was this place, but it may have been another um, like kind of, um, what do you call it? Like a pawn shop. And they would have a sign. And it's like, these are the 10 CDs that we no longer want. Like we will not buy these oh, CDs. Oh yeah. Where was that? Was that place called like? Uh, New to you. Oh, new to you. Okay. That, that's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, there was a chain of places that were called like converter. Ca- cash converters. Cash converters. Yeah. So I yeah. thought it was maybe cash converters. <laughs> but they would say like, we're no longer taking Chumbawamba. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. And the funny thing is that a lot of stuff, it's it's funny how things come back around again and surprise you all the time. Too, right. Right. You go through... There's ebbs and flows of everything. You know, you get to a point a few years after that you're, where you're like, somebody's looking for Hootie and the Bullfish crack rear view. It's like, oh, we have probably a hundred of them. It's like, it's like, we don't have any of those. Oh, weird. Like, yeah. It's just been like people just keep around. buying it. Yeah. Well, I imagine that like Rick Astley record is probably really hard to find because it's a kind of a meme. To, so if somebody finds that record. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting uh that's an interesting thought. I want as we're kind of camping on the subject of of vinyl, kind of bringing it back to our our record label audience. I'm curious. We're talking about the customers coming in and responding to certain things. Is there um, speaking to the to the labels and to the independent artists who are making vinyl, new vinyl? Are there things or variants or elements to a new record that you've seen customers respond to? more than other things. And I want to ask you the opposite too. Are there things that we invest money in as record labels to do on our pressings that the fans don't care about? Is there anything like that that you can share with us? Um, well, yeah. Well, I think the the people who buy, um, yeah, there there's so many different tastes that it feels like um, some people are really looking at after color variants mm-hmm. that come out at the beginning and to some people that's very desirable to some people it really doesn't matter and mm. it doesn't seem like there's more that many more people who you know like if they're if they're faced with the choice of like do you want the black or do you want the uh you know the silver limited right they'll choose the silver just because it's limited and they think that it'll hold its value better or something right. but it's not always a driver there's a small amount of people who that's more of a driver for um yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know how much people really, the average person really digs into mm. tip-ons and, yes. you know, the things that yeah. really distinguish it. Yeah, Maybe those of us who are around it more or maybe a more uh, intense collectors focus yeah. on those sort of things. Yeah. But the average person, I think they generally want 
the best price point. That's right. So that's yeah. the real driver, yeah, right? Totally. The real driver is like, you know, if you can put out a record that is selling new for under 30 bucks. Yeah, that's right. Like that's going to help. That's a good point. <laughs> that's yeah. It's going to help. No, and I also feel like I enjoy going to record stores, but to me experiencing the the variance of a vinyl that actually happens on Instagram and it happens online mm-hmm. where somebody's promoting but when I go to your shop or I go to any shop, most of it's in cellophane. Yeah. So I can't really experience yeah. what the whole package looks like, which is kind of a shame. It is a shame. And yeah, I know like some, I think they're, it's a little bit more commonplace in Europe. I know they did it a lot with CDs, but some places will do it with records where they'll open the product and then mm. you can, you know, they'll keep, either keep the records behind the counter. Oh, and then okay. you can maybe then look at the records before you buy but that's maybe more better from a packaging standpoint but i think they even you know i don't know that was more of a cd thing like yeah especially in europe that was keeping the cds know, behind the camera yeah and like all this you could look at all the packaging of the cds and you could kind of you could interesting you know you could look through the the inserts and stuff but uh yeah i don't know i think like people are so fickle about the handling of vinyl that it might that might not work yeah, actually, I would be kind of uncomfortable if I bought a $50 thing and then people have had their hands all over it. Yeah. Like, there's something really enjoyable yeah. about being, you know, the new paper smell and all that is yeah. belongs to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's interesting. I want to ask you about cassettes. I imagine the, the I can I can tell from your shop, the main, the priority based on footprint is vinyl. Um, but what about cassettes? I mean, I, I remember bringing a cassette to a record store back in 2013 and they didn't know what to do with it, where to put it. But I mean, cassettes for our labels seem to be maybe it's a mail order thing more. Uh, but do you see them becoming more prominent in retail anytime soon? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's a viable alternative um, because, again, you're talking about price points that you can get to a far better place than you can with records. Yeah. Um, I think it taps into a level of whether it's. Uh, actual nostalgia or you know what you think that is like mm. to having a tape to putting a tape in and you know I think what oddly enough there's always like certain cultural drivers or things that will where I feel like it opens things up to a larger audience I really think a big part of the cassette resurgence amongst young people is directly related to the Guardians of the Galaxy. You think so? I really do. Because it added a level of reverence to the cassette in to popular culture, which I don't think for that age group existed. Uh, for sure. Yeah. It just didn't yeah. exist. And that was like there may have been small touch points of yeah. it in their lives, yeah. but that was like um because it's so central to the That's a good movie. Point. Yeah. You know? and That's right. And I think that was such an impactful touch point for people that it's really... And they sold it, right? Like yeah. They sold it right after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That, that's true. So, yeah. So, like, I've noticed that just the level of, like, indie stuff that I'm now carrying on tape is just growing and growing and growing. Okay. And it's not necessarily because people are asking for it. It's because it's just, wor- like, as I'm expanding it, I'm just selling more. Are you starting to get more from... Um, big labels and big distribution companies? Uh, no, I'm tending, the stuff I'm tending to carry is more, maybe a little bit more focused to 
the things that that uh that my customers might be more into so okay. like it's more indie stuff so it's you know like like japanese breakfast and like okay. you know things like Secretly, like, oh, but secretly, they're still from yeah. like secretly or yeah, polyvinyl. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's not so, just local. No, stuff. no, okay. no. Yeah. Okay. So sorry, I'm I'm more thinking of like. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not asking. Capital or no, no, no. Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their tapes are so expensive. They're again as as they do with everything else. It's like you know the I have to retail a Warner cassette for twenty five dollars. Wow, I, I just can, saw the ABBA cassettes for twenty dollars. Yeah. The new record. So yeah. it's like you know what I mean. It's, That's uh, crazy. Yeah, I do think people. Um, there has been some dialogue online. I do think that people um, expect to. I think the price of cassettes. It's fair to bring them up a little bit higher than where some people have been selling them. Somebody online, it's six or seven dollars. I think it's fifteen bucks is fine. I think that's feels fine. Like, that's a bit high. I yeah. mean, we're maybe speaking Canadian, but yeah. like that's like 10, twelve. Yeah, that's like 12, 10 to twelve. That's, that's totally yeah, fair. That's fine. I think that's fair. Yeah. and especially if they're going to do something fun with it too. And there's a lot of options. You can do something fun, and yeah. and it um, is not um, nearly as expensive as vinyl. Mm-hmm. So how do you? I mean, just like you did with the bins and the records, and giving them a prominent location. How do you? How do rec- our record stores going to shift and have and having some sort of display for cassettes? It's such a different beast. Yeah, I, I like. I'm working on uh giving it a more prominent place in the store where mm. people will where it just be easier for people to look right now they're kind of buried in a in a weird spot mm-hmm. but it's largely because i feel like the fit like the things that have been available to me haven't been as good and they're starting to get better yeah uh so you know when the new release of certain records are is coming out it's easier for me to get the tape so yeah. So yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it being a place where you can look at everything at eye level in a well lit area of yeah. the store. Yeah, which is important. <laughs> I actually think you know um, the next driver for that will be like the secretly groups, and if people are, um, if you're looking at the new Phoebe Bridgers and it's either thirty for the vinyl or fifteen for the tape, and all you want to do is just take home something about that record, mm-hmm. something tangible. Uh, I think that could really drive more people into cassettes. We also need a player too, a modern day player. Yeah. Well, I think there's some companies that are working on some better cassette players and decks and stuff. So I think it's starting to work out. I think there's some companies that are starting to make some good Walkmans. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really going to help. And especially Walkmans that just you can plug into whatever like, system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all in our um, lithium, like yeah. not like four AA batteries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I think it's, I think, yeah, people are, you know, I think there's enough of a demand that people are innovating mm-hmm. and trying to figure out better ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I've always liked tapes. I've always liked making mixed tapes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm all for it. What about CDs? I mean, like the CDs are start. There's a conversation happening again with new CDs for indie artists, just because of the the current production times with vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it they sound a lot better than mm-hmm. than digital does. So sure. it makes sense. Um, yeah, again, that's like the the players aren't as common anymore. Oh, so true. yeah, so that's like. Well, most you know, cars, maybe cars yeah. from older, older well, than the past three now, or four yeah, years. Now, but almost when you think about cars now, 
almost nobody has a car that's older than five years. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so well, common now for sure. people to be like, I drive a car from 2003, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I think I'm the exception to the rule. Like I would love to drive a car that has a cassette deck. That's I have I mine has, really? a, yeah, I have a 2003 Volvo that has And they were doing deck. cassettes in 2003. Yeah. It has a cassette and CD. Yeah. Oh, yep. very convenient. That's nice yeah. for you. It's amazing. Throw a tape on there. Yeah. 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 That's great. great. Let me ask you about Record Store Day. The story arc of Record Store Day has been really interesting to see unfold over the years. I want to ask you, and I don't want to get you blacklisted or anything, but what's RSD like from a small indie shop's perspective? I know a lot of indie labels, it's intimidating and hard to compete with what the majors are doing when it comes to pressings. I'm just kind of curious your perspective of that. Um, well, I'm. I think in general, I'm happy. Uh, anytime a light can be shone mm -hmm. on what we're doing mm -hmm. and like highlighting the fact that that shops like ours exist. Mm -hmm. So that aspect of it, I love. Uh, it's weird because the collectible part of it has never really meant that much to me for records. Like mm -hmm. I've never necessarily bought records due to either the variance or the limited nature of it. I'm never Agreed. necessarily yeah. hunting for a, yeah. this certain pressing of something. Yeah. So like for me, it's always been about listening. That's always been the thing for me. Yeah. And I don't know that my ears have ever been tuned well enough to fully, and I've never owned an audiophile system that's tuned <laughs> yeah. enough to really tell me sure. that's like, hey, what you're doing, you know, this could be 50 million times better. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, I understand people's concerns with it. Um, and yeah, with, you know, well, I think that comes down to a lot of things. Like, I don't, you know, I feel about the major labels like most people do. Mm. Like, so it's a weird situation yeah. for me to be in because I'm stalking a lot of this stuff, but I also, to a degree, recognize them as the enemy. Right. Like, and, right. you know, like yeah. they have, you know, they've done more to, they've done a lot of things to help a lot of artists and they've done a lot of things mm -hmm. to hurt a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. And they've put, historically have put artists in really bad positions. I think the, going back to Record Store Day, I, I think the, um, Whatever the mission was back 10 or 11 years or 12 years ago, I'm not sure however long, I feel like that's certainly been accomplished. I mean, yeah. the, whatever it was that they were trying to achieve has done great things for record stores, even if now it maybe doesn't carry the same excitement or if it's causing problems in other areas, it certainly has, I think it's, I think it has been great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think so too. I, I really don't have many bad things to say about it. I, um, yeah, I get ex I'm. It's always nice to anytime you can have a lineup of customers that want to come into your store and want to go in. You know, there's been records, especially pre pre pandemic, where I would get all these people that were coming in just because it was record store day, they weren't looking for the limited stuff. They mm -hmm. were just coming in to buy a record. They were just coming in right. to whatever, you know, they just, they would find a record that they were interested in, they would buy yeah. the record. And they made a point of it on that day. And that aspect of it, I think is so incredible. That's the, It just that's the ended up becoming a holiday, like a national, yeah. international holiday. Yeah. And it was the day to celebrate records, yeah. which is, I think was the point. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. So yeah, mission accomplished, I agreed. 
Speaking of pre-pandemic, your response to the pandemic lockdown was incredible. It was actually, from a business standpoint, I think they should do a case study on it, but it was very exciting to watch the way you started having people shop via Instagram Live. I think it was genius. Can you walk me through that thought process? Uh, has that been important to to surviving over the past year and a half? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it was the, I think it was the difference between us it's in ways i think the difference between us being here still and mm. not being here like wow. i think it, i think if we wouldn't have reacted the way that we did cuz we were still such a young business when That's that right. when it happened That's right. and we've just finished going through for people who aren't from our city we just on our street was total construction for a whole year <laughs> so you weren't allowed to walk you couldn't yeah. walk down the street so we were at a point where we were just like okay like is this thing viable is it yeah. going to work and then all of a sudden we were faced with, you know, the same challenges that every business was. So um, I think for us, it was like, as soon as we saw what was coming, we already kind of had this elements of this in our business plan, but we didn't, there's so many daily workings that you don't always have the time to do all these things that right. are like, oh yeah, like things that you, you know, like things you want to do with your business. So once we had this opportunity, we're just like, you know, we're like, well, we knew we wanted to turn our shop into a shop that was open 24 hours a day that you could always yeah. shop it. You didn't have great. to be in the shop. Yeah. You could just look at it and we would keep it updated and we'd keep all the art up and mm -hmm. make it somewhat easy to navigate. Um, so that was the first order of business to make sure that your inventory was online. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's got to have been a ton of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work. And it, you know, yeah, it was a lot of work to stay on top of that, and and still a lot of work to stay on top of it, right? To, on a weekly basis to do the data entry, because when something goes out the door, you've got to take it off the website. Yeah, well, uh, our point of sale is sophisticated enough that it oh, okay. does that for us. Oh, great! So, so yeah, so it, it knows what's you know, it's a pretty simple procedure for us to add quantity when it comes back and. And for it to show that it's sold out okay. just through yeah. uh, UPC um, and, you know, That's whatever cool. that. Um, so, yeah, that was an aspect of it. You know, like I'd always, as much as I have sincere displeasure for what Amazon is and what Jeff Bezos created in a lot of ways, I also understood that what he was doing was so revolutionary mm -hmm. and there's a reason why that business is so successful there really is mm -hmm. right because it's all there for you and um and we're at a disadvantage because you know we have to have a brick and mortar location they don't they just have to have yeah. warehouse space yeah. right and they they can stuff things as high as it can go and nobody has to be able to look through it they just yeah. have to be able to the pickers have to be able to find it but in that respect I real we realize that like you know we do want to be able to compete with Amazon. We do want somebody to be looking for a record and do a search for it on the internet and yep. then just be able to be like, "Oh, I can click here to buy it on Amazon or I can go to a local record shop 
website who I want to support because people want to support their local shops. Absolutely. So let's make it as easy for them to buy something from us as it is from Amazon. Unbelievable. That sentence to say, I I wanted to compete with Amazon is not something you'd ever expect to hear from an independent record store. Mm -hmm. But But it's very smart. Yeah. Well, and I think you have to have that mentality. Like, those people are ruthless. Like mm-hmm. the people, the Amazons of the world, <laughs> they don't care about us or what we do. It's, or, you know, they, they only care about us in so much as they want to find a way to swallow us. That's right. Because they just want to increase their market share. And that's capitalism. That's, mm-hmm. it's the game that we're, even though the rules, are, we don't all know the rules. It's the game that we all have to play. Right. Living right. in Western civilization. You right. Know? So and so you that's I found that extremely respectful of your customers to say we understand why you're going to Amazon. I mean, it's not that I liked Jeff Bezos more than you. Mm-hmm. It's just there was that thing of oh, well at, at 11:30 at night lying in bed, mm-hmm. if I feel like shopping for a record, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And if I want to say be a little bit more anonymous buying a record just so that the clerk at the counter doesn't judge my taste Mm -hmm. then i can do that and so there was some beautiful things and i just love and i go to your website quite a lot and just to see what's new and to see and and i i find myself drawn to records that are uh, that i'm in no rush to buy but there they are you have it in stock it's a great price i'll get it now and it just kind of scratches that itch Mm-hmm. that Amazon gives you of of being an online shopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that you know that kind of leads us to to the Instagram and the Instagram live and us using that scratch that other itch especially during the pandemic and it scratches that itch for cuz I think one thing that brick and mortar retailers have to realize is is it seems now more than ever, our time is so accounted for. Hmm. Um, I don't, I can't assume that people even really have 30 minutes in a week in the daytime to come and look in my store. Yeah. So I have to create, and all brick and mortar places have to create a way to connect with people who want to support us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have, yeah, like, and that was our goal going into the shutdown and what we've been trying to do going forward is like, let's just make it as easy as we can for people to support us and for people to know what we're doing. Let's just make it as easy as we can make it. <laughs> and how do we do that? Like, we just show them, we active, actually show them everything that's coming into the store during the week in our live stream, in the two live streams a week. So everybody knows everything that's coming through the door. Wow. So you can watch if you know, I try to keep the streams to 30 minutes at a time, although sometimes I'll just we'll be having conversations. If you're having fun. It, yeah, it <laughs> yeah, just goes, right? True. But you know, if you and you know, you can fast forward and you know, if you're watching the IGTV later, you can fast forward, you can go right. any part in it you want. Right. You can just see the used records if you want, because I do sure. all the used at one time yeah. and the new. So yeah, it gives you a chance to instead of if you're into records, instead of searching for some record content or review content or something before you're about to go to bed, you can just watch the stream. Yeah. And then it oh, keeps 100%. you locked in. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, you know, like, and even now that we have people in the store again, I think that's like, that's something that will stick with us forever now. You think you'll do it for? 
it yeah, it's it's such a great way to yeah, it's just such a great way to interact. And I love interacting with customers that way because if you come into the store, sometimes there's other people in the store. Sometimes you don't feel that comfortable talking to people in public settings. Yes, you know, there's that's some people. Right. Absolutely. So if you break down that wall and you're watching a stream that you can comment and ask questions and have conversations about, it's like it's it makes that easier for some people. And mm-hmm. I, you know, understand I've always been a bit more of an in, or an extroverted person. So right. that's more easy for me, but I understand people who are more introverted. And mm-hmm. I understand that it's a bit more of a task for them. So if you can do it in that way, it makes them feel comfortable. You know, I, you know, I'm fine of like making a fool out of myself and fi- <laughs> I'm fine with just like it's it's allowing show, myself it's- to do my thing. Right. Like without it- worrying about how people perceive it or if they think I'm too goofy or whatever, I just allow it to be it. I would, I, I hope that in the next like 10 or 20 years, it becomes like, to me, it's like David Letterman. It's like watching David Letterman. I, I yeah. to me, I hope that there, you start with a monologue. I hope that you have a band at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have considered. I have considered like uh, a few times, like why, uh, like I, like what is on cable fourteen in our in our city now, like right. community television. <laughs> right. Like this surely must be as good as at least something right. that's on that programming. Well, like, I mean, like you could at the very least do a YouTube stream where it was a horizontal video but oh yeah but there's something about and this is what i think is genius about about how perceptive you were is that you through instagram and because instagram favors live videos mm-hmm. they push you right to the front oh, yeah. and so you're really cutting into people's days but it's perceptive of you to say some people are introverts some people don't have 30 minutes out of their day mm-hmm. some people are uncomfortable or live far away and or for the most part it's just I'm lazy. It's like I bet you the abyss has new records, but I just I, I can't get down right right now. Yeah. I'll do it another day. Yeah. And so for you to cut through all that and to do it in, through Instagram, if you were to do it on YouTube or on cable TV, I, I don't think you'd be able to cut into their lives yeah. as much as you are on Instagram. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so incredible. And so orders are coming through while you're sh- showing the records. Is that true? Yeah. 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 It's like yeah, I'll see it. Yeah, I'll just see it on my computer as I show something and then start talking about it. And then, yeah, I'll just like it so, pop so. up. Yeah, and so, what's cool, too, is that to you're not just showing records and people say, oh, I've been looking for that. But you're actually like, <laughs> you know what this is like is like, uh, what is it called? Uh, the shopping jail, TSC. Like, oh, yeah. It's really yeah. like late night <laughs> shopping jail. Because what you did, that the one record from Numero that I picked up from you, was that you're holding up the record, cool artwork. And you're describing the sound. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at home and I type it in and I listen to a couple seconds and then I order it. So you're yeah. literally selling me a record that I had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. I, to me, it's it's so genius. I think it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think like, I think it it runs like what I'm doing and I just think the idea of it, it's just like, I think it, what works for a business, I guess at any business in my mind, because I don't know what works across any business, mm-hmm. but it seems like if you are, if you love what you're doing and you feel comfortable doing it and you are having fun with it and you are making it easy for people, then I think that's like, it's just a good way to run something. It's a good way to, it's that kind of stuff is like, I don't know, like 
I don't really know how to put it, but it's just like you can under you, like personally, if somebody isn't really feeling it and they're putting it on, I can I can see it. Oh sure, you know, like yeah, and and I think a lot of people are like that. A lot of people can detect when somebody's yep. just like full of it or they're just like faking it. So if and it does, it's not like you have to be really good at something. You just have to be honest. Yeah, and you just have to like allow yourself to be who you naturally are and allow yourself to be silly and allow yourself to be irreverent. And, and it's in contrast yeah. to the other content on, on Instagram. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. Which is why, which is the, yeah. The total opposite. Yeah. Yeah. How should, um, let me ask you some questions about our, for our audience, how should independent record labels reach out to their local record store to try to get their releases on the shelves? And I mean, I think this, for me, this goes back to being a little bit shy and an introvert. Uh, do record stores, I mean, you can't speak for the whole world, but do record stores want to support local artists? Do they want to carry those titles? Is it a nuisance? Can you talk me through that? Um, <clears throat> I think, like, I can only talk personally of, like, my personal experience of what I'm looking for. I don't know across the board... Um, how certain owners perceive it. But for me, yeah, it's like I do want to support local things um, and local artists. And I, yeah, I want to make, I, and, and I also want them to make it somewhat easy for me to do that. Okay. So I want them to be, to, uh, yeah, to just either, send me a, a very easy link that I can listen to what they're doing so mm -hmm. I can hear it and understand if it fits with what we're doing there. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's, that's really it. It's just like, you know, I do want to support people that are doing good work and yeah. And, and, but that being said, like I don't have to, really approve it necessarily to stock it um so i don't always have to listen to it so for me it's more so if you bring it into me uh well that's more of like a hyper local if you're a yeah. label it's yeah it's like you kind of you have to pitch yeah you got yeah you got to kind of pitch yeah. it i got to see the value in it you got to make it easy for me what does that mean make it easy in some cases, it's like, you know, like if you, can I send you these uh, and you not pay up front for them? Okay. You know, like, yeah. so like consignment. Yeah. Take a chance on it. Yeah. And, you know, that makes it easier for me. Sure. You know, yeah. if people are asking me to pay up front, I'm definitely a, a lot more apprehensive. Yeah. And I, I have think to, that's totally fair. Yeah. The onus then becomes on the the artist and the independent label to drive people to your store and say, don't order this on our band camp, go, go to this store and save on shipping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, if it is something that I'm interested in and something that I dig, a lot of times I'll share it with our customers, you know, on Instagram, talk about it on the live streams and give people a taste of it. Because yeah. a lot of times that's really what does it is like, you know, for example, um, I don't know if you know that uh, this local artist named uh, Doug Tewksbury. He put out a Sounds record. Sounds familiar. So he goes under the name Tewksbury, but he put out a record 
not too long ago, gave me a copy, described it to me in ways that well, I was interested in. Yeah. I listened to it. It was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like in the world of like Niels Fromm, like, oh, okay. you know, like this kind of, you know, like neoclassical. Yeah. And, and, but all, but a bit more minimal, a bit more ambient. Sure. Um, yeah. And it was great. And he gave me the record and I listened to the record and loved it. And then just, yeah, I would just like put sound samples on my yep. Instagram so people could hear it. And That's then just great. like, and then people just kept on buying it because I was just, you know, leading them in the right direction. So yeah, like making it easy for me to share it with them, you know, even like on a different level, like Constellation it, one of my favorite Canadian labels, uh, which is like Godspeed mm-hmm. and um, Do Make Say Think, and um, they like they. It seems like they almost go out of their way to include indie stores mm. to make it them a part of the thing. So, like for the latest Godspeed, they sent me a ten inch before anybody else, before any critics or anybody heard it. They sent it to the shop owners, wow, so we could listen to it. And then gate, and then they went black on on media, and only and we were the only ones who could share it. Wow. So yes, which is a that's a great that's concept. Very that's cool. a, such a yeah. cool way to do it. So. So yeah, like stores like mine and, you know, they selected what, you know, whatever stores they thought would want to be on board. And yeah, we would just share it for, you know, those like four or five days and we were the only place to hear any of it. And I think that, I think that even small labels, if they can afford it, should do more like that. Yeah. I think that's really incredible to, to try to convince you to promote it if they're doing things to bless you, you know, whether that's freebies or or even I don't know if you've had this, but like a, I thought it would be great to even do like a variant for your own for your hometown, like a mm-hmm. color variant for your hometown, or or giving like you're saying, giving your hometown record store the record a week early, mm-hmm. just for local fans. Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah, make it something. Yeah, find a way to make it. Yeah, like you know, it's not like I necessarily <clears throat> need that, but like if you can find a way to make your local store or an indie or the indie stores feel included in what you're doing or a part of it or something. I I feel like that's good. And, you know, I think to a degree, right. Cause it's tough. There are some record shops, you know, that I've either known or been in contact with that are, you know, I don't want to frame it in a bad way, but some people who have maybe been in it for a longer amount of time are a bit more jaded, aren't Mm. as interested Mm. in, doing any of that. So that could be a tougher sell, right? If you're dealing with a person who's had a record store for 35 to 40 years, like, Mm. you know, they might not get as excited about anything. um, Maybe. Yeah. So it could be more of a challenge, right? Yeah. It's more of a challenge. Oh, for sure. And our listeners would have, yeah, it all depends on who their local record store is and how receptive they are. Yeah. Yeah. What unique perspectives do you have on labels and distribution and physical media that you can share with our audience of labels that might help us be better at running our labels? I love, I made a note for you that when you said make it easy, but I just mean as a whole of running a label, um, for someone who's been an artist, been on labels, running a store. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, the only things that come to mind for me is like, you know, 
if I don't think that a label's doing the work on their end mm. to make something mm -hmm. work, then you can you know, sense that. You can I can sense yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that if a label is just trying to put out as much stuff as they can yeah. and just putting out everything. I can also sense that That's if they right. don't have a vision for what they are, because I have a vision for what I am. Mm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And if I don't, if, if I can't see the vision from a label and, and what they're trying to do, then that makes it, you know, yeah, that just makes it a little bit harder for me. So, you know, I would think that that would be something that everybody would know, but in case they don't, in that regard is like, yeah, you got it. You got to have a vision. You got to have a vision for what it is, for what you want to do, for what you want to get across to people for the, yeah. For what your message is like, you have to know what that is. If you're hoping, uh, if you're hoping that other people will define you or help make you what you are, I don't think that's to me, that doesn't sound like a winning formula. It seems like you really got to know what, what, who you are. Well, that's really interesting you say that because it reminds me of a similar scenario where when record labels pitch their music to publications or to writers who, if they had done their research or their homework, they would have learned that that writer doesn't write about that genre or that or that they're, you know, they don't align in certain ways. And the same thing with curators. When you say, put my song on your playlist, but then you listen to the playlist, it's not right for it at all. Mm -hmm. So you're saying the same is kind of true for record stores. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, that being said, like the way that we're ingesting, you know, if I'm ordering new releases and I'm ordering from, you know, like, even a label that's just at the level where they have distribution. So they do have some type of, you know, like intermediary that's in whatever that country sure. is. Yeah. I'm, you know, so I'm going through, it's for me, it's just going through sheets, right? So it's new release sheets. Um, and, you know, that goes back to like, how good is your copywriting? How good are mm. you at making me understand what your vision is in a paragraph? and sending me the link that I can listen to something, you know, in an instant. How do you decide what to buy? Um, it's a combination of things, I think. Like, I think the first, the first thing for me is it just half, like, I trust my taste. So it has to, I have to see value in it. Right. I don't necessarily have to think that it's for me, mm -hmm. but I have to see the value in it. So I have to feel it. If you're sending me something, I gotta I'd have to be able to feel it in 30 seconds. Sure. Like yeah. 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah. And I don't like, you know, it's 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 so different for different people, but you know, you don't have to excite me with like boom bass, you know, right. you just, you, <laughs> yeah. like I just have to see, your, I have to see the artist's vision. I have to, yeah, I just have to feel it. I have to feel what it is. But what about all the records you bring in? I mean, there must be some labels uh, uh, yeah. and some channels that you'll take anything. You just know that they're going to sell. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And there's some, like there's some labels that I just trust the body of work so much that I, yeah, that I just, anything that comes up from that label, I'm just like, okay, like, yeah. I'll order yeah. this, you know, because they're just like, they really know what they're doing. Um, and how do you decide what major releases to bring in from the major labels? Um, 
I think a lot of that is just understanding my clientele may not be, you know, it's not necessarily the same people that will shop at even some of the other stores in Hamilton. Yeah. But, uh, but like wouldn't shop, wouldn't buy their records from like maybe a Walmart. Like, mm-hmm. so it's different for me because I think like there is crossover on certain things, but, um, right. you know, like there's certain things that I'm like, oh, this is going to sell, but it's not probably not going to sell here. It's going to mm. sell in a lot of stores. It's you, just not going to sell here. Yeah. It's yeah. just not for us. And, you know, I have a small enough space that I really have to make those decisions that, you know, like that I choose to stay away from things because I'm like, oh, somebody else is going to catch that. And That's right. I, you know. Yeah. 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 You have this um, aesthetic to the store. It, it, it's a certain, I don't know what you would call it. I, um, it's There's a vibe to it. And I'm talking visually, not even just the records, but visually with, and I said this the first day I walked in there three or four years ago, you know, it's white, there's unfinished wood. It's, it's, there was the Scandinavian vibe to it. Like it felt different. Whereas a lot of other record stores, it was just, you know, jam it. It just felt like a, a um, um, like a thrift store. It's just like jam it full of stuff. Mm-hmm. This felt a little bit, um, I mean, obviously the, the music is curated, but even just the overall aesthetic, I mean, th- that had to have been intentional. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, um, one of my best friends lives in uh, Copenhagen. Mm. So I've spent a lot of time in Copenhagen. Um, yeah. Over the past bunch of years. And that was a, that was a really big influence for, mm. cause it was my wife and I who, you know, kind of came up with the concept of how we wanted to look. And that was, that was the main driver of just like being immersed in that culture enough. Cause you know, it's, it's one thing to visit a place for a few days or, but it's another thing to stay for weeks at a time and then come back months later and stay for weeks at a time. You just get a sense of what the vibe is and and like what you like about it. And um, yeah. And I think that was, uh, yeah, that was definitely something that we thought about and that was a conscious choice for us to, like, how can we separate ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of record stores. There's a lot of stores. Yeah, you know, there's right. places everywhere. Yeah. Like, how can we separate ourselves, even if it doesn't mean that it's we're gonna that people will get it? We just want to separate ourselves. Yeah. We just we don't want to blend in. Yeah. You know? ha, have you got a sense that people appreciate it? I think to a degree. Yeah. I think I think there's something about. You know, one a, a a constant compliment that we do get in the store is that it's so that it's so curated when other record stores are not. Right. Like, you know, you can go through that and you're just like, oh, this is all cool stuff. Like there's not a lot of stuff in here that's just clogging up the lanes. I don't have to like pour through endless amounts of records of things that don't interest me mm-hmm. to find the things that interest me. Like it's all kind of here. It's not too much to handle. It's not too big. Yeah. You know, like, so those things were, you know, I always wanted the store to be a bit smaller and I always wanted it to be like that. It seems like that makes deciding what not to put in there almost harder than deciding what to put in there just because of how limited your space is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, 
I allow myself a pretty wide berth when it comes to that sort of stuff. And I'm not afraid to blow things out. So I think that's a good <laughs> recipe. Like when you're just like, okay, like this hasn't sold in two years in the store. So mm. I'm selling it at cost. I'm, somebody's going to love the fact that it's yeah. $20 yeah. and it's gone and it's, it will never be back. Yeah, You know, and like, that's just the way it goes. But it's weird though, because you know, you will have downtimes with certain records, which for some reason or not, two years go by and nobody buys it. And then you're just like, wow, this is an important record. Why has nobody bought this in two years? And then you order it back in and it yeah. sells two days after that. Yeah. And then you order it again, it sells a month after that. And then it's like, oh, it's back now. Yeah. You know, like Nielsen Schmielsen, you know? You must, yeah, that's right. You must know, like, uh, when things happen in the world that, you know, like when I heard that when Daft Punk uh, retired, that all their records sold out everywhere. And I imagine tomorrow you're going to sell a lot of ABBA records. Yeah, I would think, well, the problem is uh, you can't really even get that many ABBA records right now. So hmm. the, this, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it's weird how things turn like that and how quickly I kind of tried to, I kind of stopped playing that game a little while back where I'm like, oh, something just happened. Oh, really? I have to try yeah, to chase died that. Somebody and I got to, yeah, like yeah. I got to chase, I like, because that game can yeah, be eternally yeah. frustrating. Uh, so you're just like, okay, like I've always like, you know, like with MF Doom, mm -hmm. when that, when that happened, it was like, well, I haven't been able to get anything for a while anyways, so I'm just going to keep the orders in here, increase some of them a little bit. At some point, they'll come back through. I'm always going to stock it, uh, sure. but I'm not going to panic about it yeah, at yeah. 3 a.m. to try to <laughs> That's right, you know, order yeah. it off of eBay or something. You know? <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this, man. It's been tons of fun to chat with you. Mm -hmm. I've got one more question um, uh, for uh, and, and something else, a little trivia question for you for our Patreon listeners um, if you have a second. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for listening. I hope that you have found this interview helpful. I, I certainly found it in, incredibly enlightening because it was kind of peeking behind the curtain of the mysterious indie record store, a place where we all go as music fans and a place there where we hope to bring our records. And we're going to talk a little bit more in the coming weeks about how we can bring our records to our local record stores and have them <clears throat> sell and promote our records. So thanks to Brad from Into the Abyss. You can go to IntoTheAbyssRecords.com to find out more about that great shop and uh, and, and and visit our website, OtherRecordLabels.com. Now, I'm going to do an extended interview with Brad for our patrons. If you want to hear that, plus we play our ever-so-fun game, uh, now that's what I call trivia, where I make our guests, and in this episode, it gets really down to the wire, it gets really tight, where I, make our, I give our song and an artist to our guests, and they have to guess what uh, now compilation CD that song appeared on. And if they get it right, they get $100 uh, donated from other record labels to their charity. Gets pretty close in this one. So uh, go to, go to, go to patreon.com slash other record labels. Thank you for listening. <laughs>